Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 142. I nearly did it again. Last week, you might have noticed that I said we were on episode 342. That is absolute nonsense. We're still down in the mid-hundreds at the moment, but um, we're on to our 340-something issue of Metal Hammer, so it confused me like an idiot. But uh, yeah, this is episode 142. I'm Mel from Metal Hammer. Hello, everybody. I'm joined today by the one and only Eleanor Goodman. How are you doing, El? Cold. How are you? Also cold. Fair. Fair fair description of uh, of all things going on at the moment. How are you doing, Jonathan, who I'm also joined by? Mr. Jonathan Seltzer is with us. Yeah, I'm bracingly cold, but I'm all right. Okay, good. Good to know. Uh, we enter a brave new world this week. The vaccines are starting to see some kind of rollout. Very exciting. We are coming closer and closer to the end of this bullshit situation we're all in. So stay strong out there, everyone. There is, uh, there is light at the end of this tunnel right now. Um, you still have a week to pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer as well. It is our all-star heavy metal tribute to the one and only Eddie Van Halen, who passed away a few weeks back. Uh, we have tributes from the likes of Zach Wilde, Tony Iommi, Lizzie Hale, members of Slayer, Five Finger Death Punch, Killswitch Engage, loads of huge names in there. Um, it's a really emotional and interesting look at his life as well as a ton of great anecdotes and just general tributes from some of the greatest names in metal. We also have our huge Mariner Manson feature that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. You can read that now as well. Uh, and there's loads of other great stuff in it too. It's out right now. And don't forget that if you're still thinking of some last-minute Christmas presents to grab for your loved ones, uh, or even your hated ones, uh, the Metal Hammer <laughs> subscription deals over Odd Magazines Direct at the moment are very much worth your time. It's always the cheapest and most effective way to support the magazine, and we appreciate your support very, very much. Uh, now then, we've kind of talked about how there's been rumours about a new Slipknot album coming sooner than we might think, and we kind of laughed it off. But um, Corey Taylor has said that this might actually be on. There might be a new Slipknot album in 2021. Uh, he tells esteemed metal outlet Good Company with Bowling, uh, that the plan right now with Slipknot is to try and A, finish up the touring next year, and B, we're thinking about kind of putting another album out maybe next year. So this is actually, this could be a thing, Al. Will it be an album of original material they have just recorded this year or next year, or will it be something they have in the vaults and release? Ooh, good thinking. They do have stuff in the vaults, don't they? Clown told us. Uh, for uh, a cover feature a couple of years back that there was stuff out there that was yet to be heard in the Slipknot vault. So maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, I that's... Think I think our writer, Matt Mills, has just recently done a piece for metalhammer.com as well on that. Oh, nice. Yeah, go read that. Shout out, Matt Mills. Um, yeah, that's out on the Metal Hammer website now. Uh, that would be really interesting. I, th I mean, I think the general vibe is that We Are Not Your Kind is an amazing album. Um, if there's more of that, I'm up for that, but I do quite like the idea of them digging out some stuff and kind of tinkering with it and playing with it and seeing what they could come up with. So that is interesting. Stay tuned to metalhammer.com for more news on that as it might develop. Um, tell me about what's going on with the Biscuit album, Mel, because it's I feel like we're like 10 years into this fucking same old story now. Yeah, so Wes Borland says that the new Limp Bizkit album is still a way off. He told the Let There Be Talk podcast, there's a new record that has been in the works for a long time and not as a place where I and not as a place where I don't think it's going to get finished anytime soon. 
that doesn't really make sense. I think he's basically saying it's not getting finished. Yeah, Wes went for a double negative there. Yeah, very, very confusing. Uh, maybe it will, I'm not sure. I dug out an interview I did with Fred Durst in 2014, which was for when I was at Kerrang! magazine. And I forgot there's this whole section of it where Fred Durst talks about how they'd gone to record a bassist Sam Rivers' house in the wilderness of Jacksonville in North Florida, and that Sam's neighbour apparently owned a, an animal sanctuary called the Catty Shack Ranch. So all the guys went down one day to hang out with the tigers and record all the tigers. And this is 2014, so six years before Tiger King was a twinkle in Netflix's eye. And I'd totally, totally forgotten about this. And he talks all about how they had gone to like hang out with these tigers and had um, like, yeah, just like, I think they'd recorded them and that kind of thing. And they were thinking about putting tigers on this album. So I'm really curious to find out whether any of that survived and what is going to happen with that. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I mean, it, it seems, um, I mean, if fuck knows if those tiger yells will get on there. It's all sounding a bit Chinese democracy, this whole thing at the moment. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's, it's not six years ago. This is not a new thing. This is something he said six years ago. But you know, that at that point, we thought the album was probably going to be imminent, and it was not. It's just so strange, isn't it? Because you know, we know this album's not going to be here this year, and it might not be here next year. Um, if it does happen to get out next year, it will be nine years since the. No, excuse me. If it comes out next year, it will be ten years since the previous Limbisky album, which is just so bizarre because when golden cobra came out uh that was like just over a decade since sugar starfish came out in the first place so like the way that biscuits seem to just be <laughs> just going off the radar as they see fit um admittedly in this case they have continued to play gigs all this time it's just i don't know i feel like they could have capitalized more on the goodwill that seems to come back for them when they did the kind of big comeback shows with Wes in 2009 about a solid album in Golden Cobra and then they've just kind of done the they just kind of become a full-on proud nostalgia band now haven't they really like that's basically it'd be, really, it'd be really cool if they release something next year though because it is 10 years I feel like that's a nice round number and you could really make a big splash and be like first album in 10 years massive campaign biscuit are back What's it going to be like? Is it going to have tigers on it? <laughs> yeah, Will they get a cameo from the Tiger King? I mean, so much of Biscuit's uh, appeal, though, was kind of based around Fred Durst, beside on what he was kind of doing around at that time. Because no one's really heard of much from him lately, it's going to be in, in a little bit of a kind of a void that they're not you're not really used to with a Limp Biscuit album. It depends how he comes back, because... Obviously, there's this whole image of him being in a red cap and like being sweary and brash and loud. But if you actually look more deeply into Limp Bizkit's lyrics and if you interview Fred, he's actually quite contemplative. And, um, you know, at one point he told me he was feeling quite depressed and he's actually quite introverted. And he has this whole kind of personality away from the Fred Durst persona. So you never know like whether he would come back doing full on Limp Bizkit 90s red cap it's me or whether he'd he'd kind of turn inwards and do something completely different anything could happen i interviewed him once actually back in 2007 also for kerrang and um every movie any every interview i'd ever read of him he sounded like a really horrible person but um (laughs) i was um just no redeeming qualities whatsoever and i was kind of surprised to find yeah a kind of a 
bit of humanity in him that I wasn't really expecting. Um, so I think it was all for show. I think a lot of it was for show. Sorry, Merlin, you were going to jump in then. That's all right. Um, I th I th I, yeah, no, I think a lot of it was for show, and I think he is quite misunderstood, Fred. I don't, I don't mean that he hasn't earned a lot of that cynicism around him because he did play the proud clown, and you know, he's an easily hateable character. He just, he just is. If you don't happen to be a massive biscuit fan, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, he represents everything that metal is supposed to not be, and all this kind of stuff, and he played up to a lot of that. But I think. He's not quite as much of, certainly these days, not as much of an obnoxious kind of like baiting guy that people maybe think he might have been. Um, I don't know, though. They, they feel like a band out of time to me now, Biscuit. Like, I love that band so much. I was so happy to write the Chocolate Starfish feature for Hammer this year. But I think it's going to take them something, take something really exceptional from them to stand out on any meaningful level now. Like all the kind of goodwill around them actually kind of having a comeback. That was like 10 years ago. And so now I kind of feel like the only, the only people that I think are really excited about seeing Biscuit are people that just want to see the old songs played. I don't think there's that much appetite for a new Biscuit album in the scene at the moment. I would love for them to prove me wrong. I think like when they came out with Ready to Go, that was an amazing tune, but admittedly some of the lyrics on it have already not aged very well, but like it's a great song. Um, and uh, if they came out with another song that was on that kind of level and felt timely and vibey, especially in an era where we're seeing new metal bands making a bit of a comeback and bands influenced by new metal and all that kind of stuff, like it could be a thing, but I don't know. I I I struggle to see it, but I obviously hope I'm wrong because I would love for Biscuit to just turn up with a banging new album and just play some great new shows where they don't have to play like five cover songs. <laughs> don't understand why they do that. Um, in non-nostalgia news if you want some brand new exciting music that's out right now forget all that stuff that might, might be happening uh, go check out the new Wargasm song this is the kind of uh, punk rock meets Riot Girl meets new metal duo Milky Way and Sam Matlock we've had them in the magazine we're big fans of this band um, and we think they've got a lot of potential uh, they've got a new single out called, go, uh, called Rage All Over so go check out that new Wargasm track they are a really cool band doing cool things uh, you can listen to that over on the Metal Hammer website right now. Um, on a slightly different vibe, this week's album of the week. Uh, I've got to admit, I had not heard of this band until Elle mentioned that Jonathan had suggested these guys might make for a good album of the week. Um, we're going to do, how do you even say this? Possumus? 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 Possumus uh, sounds, like kind of, sounds like a spell from Harry Potter. It does, yeah. Possumus sounds like a Hippopotamus. What? Yeah. sounds like hippopotamus. It does. So yeah, basically Pothamus we're going to go with, I think. Uh, P-O-T-H-A-M-U-S, if anyone's going to go check this out after, which you all should, obviously, because it's our album of the week. Uh, they got a new album out called Raya. Um, so what's this all about, Sal? It's just kind of like dreamy, post-metal kind of vibes. Yeah, so I mean, the re probably the reason you haven't heard of it because it's a debut album. I think they've just had one EP and a couple of singles. Um, so they're from Belgium. Um, they're doing the thing that all Belgian bands, current new Belgian bands, seem to have to do by law, which is sound a bit like Amin Ra. And um, and they, they've certainly got a lot. They've certainly got you know a, kind of a lot of aspects of Amin Ra, that kind of haunted voice that doesn't go into the kind of more screaming bits that. Um, Colin Van Eekhout, um does. Um, they've got a similar kind of under, bass undertow to it, and it's kind of like 
the whole thing takes place in this really kind of luminous wash of sound. So I find it really kind of mesmerizing. Um, yeah, it's a post-metal record, and post-metal records always seem to be doing something fairly similar, which is like they're on this kind of long quest through some, you know, twilight world or something. And it ha certainly has that feeling. But um, so even though it's got all its these references that you can point to other people, maybe little tribal hints of neurosis, um, you know, bits of kind of Cult of Luna, they've definitely got something of their own, and it's definitely haunting in its own right. And um, yeah, I love it. I love the way the songs build so gradually and slowly. Um, th and they don't really quite reach um, this total wipeout that say Eamon Ra songs do. So it's almost tantric in a way. Um, but I just find the whole album like really immersive and it's great for a debut. Yeah, for a debut album, it's um, it's, it's, it's this kind of fully realized world that they seem to exist in. It's absolutely, it absolutely rotten that after all these years, anytime someone says the word tantric, I still think of Sting. <laughs> and if you yeah. know the reference, you know I'm not happy to find that reference. Sorry, it sounds interesting. Yeah, we, we, oh, we have a phrase for that, which is to big bird something. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know, um, this is to point out a detail in something that you've always loved, that you can never hear it in the same way again. And this comes from a mate of mine who's a huge Neil Young fan. And I can never remember the name of the song, but it's definitely a Neil Young song. It's this beautiful ballad. And there's a lyric about a big bird flying across the sky. And then one day he thought of Big Bird from Sesame Street. So every time, every time he um, hears this this ballad from Neil Young, uh, he thinks of Big Bird from Sesame Street and now it's ruined for him. And now so will everyone else that hears that tune forevermore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but... On the plus side of it, you get a really useful term, which is the big bird something, which you'll find you'll be able to use in lots of circumstances from this point onwards to the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. And most of them you don't really want to do, but you can't help it. Sorry, but anyway, yeah, this is this is a very uh, yeah strong showing for a debut album and uh, really kind of um, sumptuous, ambient, atmospheric, slow burning uh, post metal vibes, which is very 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 all right by me. Yeah, it's got like 60-minute tracks that don't really feel like 60 minutes. I actually, when I was playing it again, I kind of forgot that it's called Ray, which is a title track, Raya, R-A, um, which kind of bled into the last track. Um, and I didn't even realise. Uh, yeah. And, they, you know, they, they've got a video for the opening track as well, um, Orath. Um, I have no idea what these song titles mean. Um and yeah, it's, it's 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 kind of black and white. There's a ritual with fire, so again, a very Amin Ra reference. But um, but it just seems that there's a there's a strong Belgian sound. That, mm. uh, different people are kind of taking it in their own direction, but obviously, Amin Ra are the sort of source of it. Yeah, of course, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a cool album. Did you uh, get a chance to listen to this one? I only got to hear a couple of tracks, but I really like. Yeah, I listened to it loads. I just left it on all day when Jonathan told me about it, and just let it loop round and round and round and round. And it was just very, yeah. It's just, I mean, I love ISIS, and I've said this before. Like ISIS aren't around, so if more bands want to do ISIS things, then that's fine by me. And it's really um, hypnotic and. I found it to be really good to have on kind of while I was working because it sort of lulled me into this hypnotic state where I could just kind of get on with things without distraction. But also if you actually stop and listen to it, you can kind of enjoy the peaks and the troughs. It's a good record. 
hard yeah. hard agree uh the the band is pothamus once again that's p-o-t-h-a-m-u-s and the album is raya r-a-y-a and it's out this friday have you got something else to say actually you oh, actually, yeah, yeah. online can't you i think again our writer matt mills prolific matt mills has got a review up on the metal hammer website of it too in words mm. if you didn't like hearing us talk you can read that on screen yeah rather properly it's on a label called consoling agency consoling sounds uh but soul as an s-o-u-l on brand, on brand. Uh, so yeah, if you're going to check out one album this week, check out the new Pothamus album. Uh, there's also new albums out this week from Opium Warlords and Green Druid. I think we're going to do some stuff on Green Druid in the mag uh, down the line. Uh, and there's also yeah. a brand new Soilwork EP, uh, The Lads. Yeah, the Mel- Melodic Death Metal Legend Lads. I love it. And it, they, they, they're doing lots of different things. It's quite proggy. It's got little elements of um, Beyond Street, Beyond's other band. Uh, Nightflight. Um, Nightflight Orchestra, the Nightflight Orchestra, who I absolutely love, and them and Heat and the two bands are doing this AOR stuff really well. And you can just tell they're having really good fun. And I love Beyond Voice; it just sounds like it's having so much fun with you singing. Awesome! I know Al loves soil work as well, don't you? Al? I love Big soil work. In <laughs> great bands, legendary bands. Uh, cool. So lots of stuff to be getting on with. I know I've said it pretty much every week here on the podcast, but um, as we'll get into when we do our big end of year podcast which will probably be not next week probably the week after we'll do that um then uh yeah there's a lot of good music that's carried us through this year which is lovely uh speaking of things for next year though i guess um onto our questions from our lovely listeners if you want to get involved head to facebook.com slash metal hammer readers it is the best place to talk about the mag hang out with us uh feedback on stuff you like about the mag the podcast everything else we've got going on uh, very much love the community we've got down there and one of those people is charlie george brady who has asked have maiden secretly recorded a new album in paris as rumors suggest i didn't even know this was rumored so i'm well off the grid i have not been exposed to that rumor either i'm not obviously not near the rumor mill not close enough pretty crazy i mean if it's true Hell yes, that makes me happy. Um, I've said on the podcast before, I mean, I've, I said it about this year. This year is five years since uh, the Book of Souls. Next year is going to be six, which is the longest break ever between Maiden albums, I think. I might have got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's that's as long as it's been. Um, uh, and so you would kind of think they'd have it in mind to do a new album soon, but I couldn't work out at what point during their touring plans and everything else they'd be able to record it. So... I thought maybe they might have done some stuff in lockdown, but that's just speculative optimism, really. It's not anything I've actually heard through the grapevine. So if there is a new Maiden album coming, happy days. Um, but yeah, I'm afraid none of us are uh, in with Bruce at all enough to, <laughs> to be involved. Never mind. You take the next question, Al. Oh, it's a long question. So was- Ashley Klein asks... What are the best metal Christmas tracks? I'm tired of having to hear my family play the traditional or classic Christmas music or Boney M, the worst, on repeat. I need to blast my speakers with some Christmas cheer that will put an end to whatever my ears have been listening to. P.S. If you do enjoy listening to traditional, classic or Boney M Christmas music during the holiday season, that is your choice and I respect that. Am I allowed to say the line? Other classic Christmas tracks are available. Um... <laughs> M. Come on, Daddy. Yeah, cool. I love Boney M. Watch I mean, Putin, Yeah, I love. I grew up with Boney M. Uh, like when that when that came out, and it was 
they, they were huge. I remember my brother telling me when I was about, about this amazing band and the song called Rivers of Babylon when I was about seven years old. And um, I got those voices are just incredible. I just love those really spot on, like not breathy, just complete hit the note, full on voices. Uh, their Christmas song is the, the worst thing they've ever done. Uh, but um, but do not diss Boney M. And also the opening intro tonight, Flight to Venus, is one of the best album intros of all time. Yeah, they are a great, great, great band. Um, I want to know why Boney M are called Boney M. Does anyone know? No, but while I kind of kill time, well, not kill time, while I answer the question, you could quickly Google it and see if you can find out. Well, give me it right now. Like, Did, didn't they, 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 had a, they had a Milli Vanilli thing where um, they ended up being different oh, competing versions of the band. They what? Sorry, tells. They had a bit of a Milli Vanilli thing where they ended up being different versions of the band calling themselves Boney M. Or, oh, um, no. They did a Batushka. A Batushka, yeah. Yeah, before, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I only, only like the early, um, the early sort of band um, rifts. Yeah, it's they like, are awesome. Um, go on then, Al. What's Boney M named after? Well, this is just according to Wikipedia, so I haven't independently fact-checked it. But um, So there was, it was, Boney M was created by a German record producer called Frank Farian. And apparently... Boney M was a pseudonym that Frank Farian had created for himself after watching the Australian detective show Boney. Well, there you go. That explains <laughs> it. Fascinating. But, but, but no one thought they'd be tuning in, expecting to hear that lifelong mystery uh, solved. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Ashley Klein doesn't want to hear Endless Boney M for Christmas. She wants to hear a uh, heavy metal Christmas tune. Someone else asked about this this week as well. Um, I started naming a few. Uh, the first that came to mind were "Walking on the Air" by Nightwish. I love that. Um, I love that cover. I think it's epic and just sounds majestic. Um, a bit of a weird and unexpected one, but the Bad Religion Christmas album that they released a couple of years ago is really, really good. It sounds like high tempo punk rock, but it actually gets you feeling quite festive as well. It's really cool. Um, and also, isn't she our editor in chief of Louder? She's obsessed with that. Yeah, it's awesome, uh, and it absolutely will uh, get you in the mood. Um, if you want something a bit more different, Corn's uh, cover of "Kidnap the Sandy Claws" is a classic from the Nightmare on, uh, not Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. Um, and then I started looking up other ones, and I will say that on Spotify, other streaming services are available. Um, they do actually have a dedicated Christmas metal playlist that is surprisingly good and has a lot of covers in there that I didn't know existed. So that will probably sort you out if you want to do that kind of thing um any other notable additions i just well, love christmas but the one that i say every year is the trans-siberian orchestra of wizards in winter because it's so good and the video with all the lights that go on i just can't get enough of that at christmas it's my favorite and also at the weekend i listened to snm2 on repeat about 10 times because it made me feel quite festive for some reason just the orchestra i suppose just made me feel quite festive it's not Christmassy, but i feel like it can also be listened to as part of um a festive mood nice nice um, I was, well i would say just listen to immortal for the for the christmas for the wintry feel but um of the obvious one we're all missing is king diamond no presents for christmas yes Excellent. which is um you know a little bit cheesy but um it's still it, it's got Few toes and cheesy. Most of it's foot selling King Diamond, so it's great. Um, and it's got one of the you... best, uh, one of the best kind of cover arts of like ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, could you consider Typo Negative, Red Water, Christmas Morning, a Christmas song? 
it has a white Christmas thing. Like. Yeah. Um, and it has, yeah, it has, doesn't it have a reference to God rest you may gentlemen in it? Um, so yeah, that, that, yeah, so those are the, those are the two really. Um, other than that, I don't really like Christmas. <laughs> Should you just say you don't really like Christmas? I know not everyone likes Christmas, but I no, don't. I don't mean Christmas. Just I, I like Christmas because it's just it's, I just find it surreal and the world just stops for a, for a day and I just find it a bit eerie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first word that always comes to my mind for Christmas: eerie. Such yeah. a dramatic thing to say. Everyone else is like, "Oh, I'm going to take my kids to see Santa. I'm going to decorate the tree. I'm going to eat some mince pies. I'm going to sing a cheery song." And but, but, yeah, yeah, but, but even when even when you were a kid, did you not have like wake up in the morning with this really surreal feeling that was Christmas yes, Day? Absolutely, like, I did. I kind of know what you mean, actually. Because I kind of absolutely you, like yeah, you kind of just. Like, it's that anticipation yeah. and the yeah. um, knowing that there's going to be something in the uh, uh, Christmas, and, and it's more you get it more so than on your birthday. Yeah, and I know exactly so what you the mean. eeriness is the, the eeriness is the adult version. There, I had an eeriness even when I was a child. Like I do understand that I love Christmas, but there's that thing where you wake up and, like you said, there's a stillness and there's a certain sort of, I mean, in my family anyway, a Christmassy sort of routine that only happened one day a year as a kid. So you just kind of know it's that one day out of a year where the, those things happen. And it is more eerie than your birthday in that stillness way as well. Yeah. It's also weird. That. Sorry, go. It's no, also no, weird that we're the, we're the only country that does Christmas on Christmas Day. Like every other country does um, uh, Christmas Eve. America yeah. does Christmas Day. Or the okay, maybe the only European country. Oh, okay, yeah, fair. No, you're right. They they have uh, some interesting. Oh, uh, what's the? What, Are you thinking of Barcelona, the... where they have yeah, the, the they they the hit Christmas the log and it shits out presents. Sorry, yeah, but like the... talking over each other. Yeah, I call them scatterlands because um because because in in Barcelona and and the general Greater Catalonia, they're obsessed with poo over Christmas. There's um. There's an extra figure in the manger, and it's a and it's a kind of a man putting down his breeches and having a poo. It's called in the, in the nativity scene. It's a cagana. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but that's what it. Yeah, yeah, and and so yeah, what they do for the Christmas log is that you feed it presents in the days up to you draw a face on a log, and you leave little sweets out in front of it for a few days leading up to Christmas, and then it eats the sweets. Um, then on Christmas Eve, you put a blanket over it. And you sing a song and you hit it and you hit it with sticks to forcibly induce this log to shit itself and presents come out the other end of it. What? I've seen and it happening. I've seen it happening live in Spain. I didn't know about it. Yeah, I yeah, I, I've, I've seen it. And I was yeah, like, I've what is it. going on? Yeah, I've, I've seen it with a kid and it's like three year old, so it's three or four years old. It's the first time he's really properly aware of Christmas, singing the song and hitting it with a stick. They've got some wild traditional uh, traditions in um, certain parts of Spain. Do you, have you seen the thing where they do like the fox fireworks thing and they set the fireworks off and they just basically bounce all over the street and everyone has to avoid them? It's absolutely no. They do I it thought, in small villages. I thought you were going to talk about Krampus, the other amazing Christmas tradition. Oh, yeah. I wasn't going to talk about Krampus, actually, but that's an all-time classic. If you want a good Christmas movie to watch, the next question is about movies. The Krampus horror movie from a couple of years ago is good. I was thinking about, isn't there one country in Europe where they've got a weird association where Christmas is tied to, like, Woody Woodpecker or Donald Duck or something? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Oh, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and look it up and for next week. I'm sure there's a European country where like everyone gathers around and watches a cartoon, but I can't remember. I can't remember what country it is. Oh, it's going to annoy me now. Any uh, one that might be from that country that's listening, that's screaming at me, I apologise if I got it wrong. I'll, I'll remember it for next week. There's something involving a cartoon that you wouldn't expect somewhere. Um, but yeah, hooray for Christmas. Anyway, Jonathan, you take the next question and do your first answer for it. Yeah, so the next question is a bit shorter. Got any movie recommendations? And that's from Scott Sintumple. Um, any movie recommendations just in general i guess what you've been watching the last movie i watched was called yes god yes which i watched at the weekend it's on netflix other streaming services are available and it's about (laughs) it's about a girl who is at catholic school and she starts to discover her sexuality but she is like being told it's wrong and she goes on a christian retreat and it's all about kind of um what happens on the Christian retreats and her friendships and relationships and things like that. And it's, it's a comedy as well. It's quite funny. It's sort of a coming of age comedy set in Iowa. And I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it because when I grew up, I also went on a couple of Christian retreats. So although they weren't as righteous as American ones, I could definitely sort of see a few things in there that I identified with. Good watch. Nice. Yeah. I think the last two movies I've seen, I finally got around to watching Mandy, which is every bit as trippy and psychedelic as I was hoping it. Because I'd actually seen um, his first movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow, and it really affected me. Like um, the whole kind of 80s kind of pre, the, the whole kind of 80s visuals of it and the whole kind of, all the kind of, a lot of the kind of visuals that um, the whole synthwave scene also references. So the first time we did a feature on Aranzi Pazuzu, um, it, uh, I was sending all the posters of Beyond the Black Rainbow to um, our designer saying these are reference points for this kind of sci- 70s sci-fi kind of feel. And it's really creepy, but it's really impossible, really hard to get in the UK. The only way I could find it was a hack to get the US Netflix. Um, but the yeah, Mandy is just super trippy and Nick Cave is super, is ultra Nick Cave. Um, Nick Cave. And- Nick Cage, sorry, Nick Cage, yeah. Is, <laughs> sorry. That, would be oh, Nick, more, that would be even more tricky. Yeah, actually, well, Nick Cage's done similar kind of acting. If you have, uh, What's that prison movie he was in where he completely hams it up as well, too, and goes completely over the top? A Ghost of the Civil Dead, which is uh, a movie you should totally watch, uh, set in Australian prison. Um, and is, yeah, Nick Cage, Nick Cave totally hamming it up. Um, but yeah, so it's every bit... It's, it's, uh, yeah, I just think it's like... It's a kind of movie I think Rob Zombie wishes he could make. Oh, shade, shade throw. Yeah, it's, I, I, yeah. It's just, it's, it's just so such a unique and thoroughly put, put together vision. Um, and on a similar kind of trippy but completely opposite aesthetic thing, I finally got around to watching The Lighthouse. Oh, my, my, uh, that's actually on my list. That's my favourite film of the year. Amazing film. Is that the yeah, again? Is it the creepy creep one? Well, it's just two men, two men going mad together. It's creepy in in, in um in black and white with uh, some hallucination thrown in and a big MacGuffin, as in what's in the um what's in the light in the lighthouse. 
It's it's awesome. It's absolutely off its tits. But for a film that's so kind of abstract and weird and strange, it's so quotable and so kind of instantly memorable. Like all the things that are in it just stick in your brain. I think it's incredible. Yeah. I, um, I forgot his name. Robert something who did The Witch. I've forgotten too. Uh, by the director who did The Witch anyway, which is one of my yeah. favourite horrors ever. Um, if you want another really creepy film, it's one of my favourite films of the last two or three decades, uh, Safe by um, Todd Haynes. And it was the first one with uh, Julianne Moore in it. And it's the most, per- it's, it's slow and kind of weirdly sterile, but it's the most perfectly paced, creeping dread movie you've ever, ever I've ever seen. And it's nothing like particularly gory horrific it's more of a psychological like, woman's psychologically coming undone and it's about a woman who um has this uh 20th century allergy so it's the allergy to any impurity she goes to a commune and they slowly do a number on her and um it's just creep it's an amazing soundtrack it's just most perfectly put together film and really creepy and it's not, not enough people know about it called safe s-a-f-e nice excellent chat i might go and check that out myself um <clears throat> i was just kind of thinking of great films <clears throat> excuse me that i saw in the cinema this year before the world totally went to shit and most of these will be available to watch on streaming services and stuff now um and i picked invisible man which is a good um really cool it's kind of built like a horror and it starts like a horror but it kind of goes into more like sci-fi action realms um and if you can kind of make peace with that then it's good uh parasite obviously which won the oscar and it's just a fantastic film i love that more every time i see it the lighthouse as Selt said is brilliant um and i really enjoyed birds of prey as well the harley quinn film i thought it was a nice change of pace and good fun so those are my recommendations what about you will uh well i was also going to say you mentioned the witch and uh the actress from that is in the queen's gambit which i know is not a film but it obviously string all the episodes together and it's like a long film that's on netflix now and that's I- thing halfway through it so i don't want any spoilers from you guys but it's really good. The color, yeah, I think, is amazing. the atmosphere is amazing. She's brilliant. She is amazing. I, I complete. I haven't been watching much TV uh, lately or Netflix or anything, but I, I rinsed that like as quickly as I possibly could. It's so good. Oh, I'm excited to it with you when I finished. And then I was also going to say, listen to Inside Total Film, which is the podcast from our friends over at Total Film, because they have lots of good recommendations and they are nice people. Shout out that lot. I actually lent um, Jamie Graham from Total Film um, my Hellraiser DVDs because he he did a little marathon of all the sequels. He panned them. So cheers, Jamie. But I like them. It's fine. <laughs> That's why I like I have, I have a very other couple of other quick recommendations. Like, okay. There's, uh, yeah, there's two beautiful Japanese movies on the BFI channel. Um, if you have subscribed to it, but it's only like five quid a month. We'll just watch them in the first few weeks. But Afterlife... Um, and Marbarossi, the most, most sublime, very slow, but just beautifully glacial Japanese movies. Um, really human and absolutely incredible. Afterlife the, and Marbarossi. What, yeah, what's the second one and how do you spell it? Uh, M-A-R-B-O-R-O-S-I, I think. Nice. Or M-A-B-O-R, Marbarossi and Marbarossi, I, I forget. Uh, but they're just absolutely sublime pieces of cinema. You say they were beautiful. Yeah, really slow, but um, just but they just you, but that makes you know, so many details. And afterlife, yeah, there's, there's, the ending of afterlife is just the ending of Marbarossi. I mean, it's so perfect, and it could only work in film. And it's it's kind of it's still a mystery at the end of it. The word for beautiful is kire. So there you go. Right. Wow. There you go. 
uh, educating here on the Metal Home Podcast. <laughs> um, Andy Paul asks, uh, this is quite a deep question. We'll try and kind of dig into it as much as we can in the time we got left. Um, Andy Paul says, every post on the Metal Hammer page, Metal Hammer Facebook page he's talking about, will get one of two responses. Number one is, why do you keep reposting articles? And number two is, this band are not metal. Uh, these comments seem to forget that in the case of number one, just because they have seen the article before, not everyone will have seen the article. And for number two, Mel Hammer used to... Sorry, I just got distracted by pop-ups. Uh, and number two, Mel Hammer used to feature much, much less metal-adjacent bands than now. Uh, Mel Hammer used to feature bands such as Feeder, Three Colours Red. Uh, I could add some more to that. The Offspring, My Chemical Romance, etc. There's many of them. Uh, these are great bands, but they're not metal. And then Andy asks, is it a case that as metal has become less popular, it's the more fervent and vocal fans objecting, or is the internet as a medium, unfortunately, a perfect echo chamber for that sort of commentary? So I guess what he's really getting at here is that, you know, Matt Hammer's Facebook page is fairly infamous for having a few moaners on it at times. Um, should we just ignore him? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, so it's really weird when you go through the archive ones in the office, uh, whatever that looked like. I can't remember what the office looks like now, but whenever you go through the old issues, you come up with all these um, issues and you're like, how did this band get a metal hammer? How did this band get a metal hammer? And we're much more metal now, but people often object to it on the Facebook page. And yeah, I think it must be, I think I sort of am of the opinion that the internet is a bit of an echo chamber in that respect. And I think the way people expect stuff now is they expect stuff to be free and exactly what they want sometimes. Whereas a magazine you would buy it and you'd be like, Oh, I like this magazine. I'm going to buy it. If I had a band you didn't like in it, you'd probably just not read that bit. But if it's online, somehow people are grossly offended when it's a band they don't like or think are metal, even though they could just not read it, just not read it. Hard to agree. That's a very good point about the magazine side of things. I never really thought of that. Like you wouldn't pick up, you wouldn't pick up a magazine because it had I made it on the cover. And then, well, if you had a fucking brain in your noggin, be disgusted because there was like Slayer in there or, you know, even yeah. something less metal that you don't like. Well, like you've, you've already bought into the that world of the magazine. Sorry? Jonathan. I mean, so you've already bought into the world of the magazine if you bought a copy. You know, you, you've really sort of in that world so you, you're going to be a bit more accepting but we have we have two types of comments though we have the people going that's not metal or that's not metal enough but we also have people when you do put bands on new bands they just go who yeah. and so just like, i don't understand the point of um of just parading to the world your ignorance yeah like that's the whole point of like you know going on to thing and just is to discover bands um yeah. I so that, that one i don't understand that's a really um, good point. Yeah, the people that just say, who? Well, half the time, be the same people that are like, oh, you're just posting about Slipknot again. Like, listen, people, I think most people, certainly the people that listen to the podcast and contribute on the readers page, get how this works. Like, you run with big bands because that drives traffic and it gets magazine buys. It just does. Um, and then you bring people into that world and that's where you push them into the new stuff and the underground stuff and the stuff that gets less attention. If, you're, if you feel like you're seeing Slipknot articles over and over and over again, it's not just because we repeat those articles, which we do do because we put them out at different times of the day so that different uh, people in different places can see them and all that kind of stuff. Um, it might be because you're interacting with them more, but you're ignoring the smaller bands that get pushed up, which means they just don't come up on your feed. 
all this stuff is algorithm led and um you know you can kind of help dictate your own uh your own feeds in that respect um as far as the whole like blah blah art metal thing like you know i've been at metal hammer 10 years jonathan's been here longer than 10 years now l's been here for like five six years now isn't it l um so like this whole dynamic this whole rhetoric that is a very 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 small but vocal minority about oh this you you're like x magazine now uh this stuff page isn't metal anymore it's fucking bullshit it's absolute bullshit we had king diamond on the cover this year like he hasn't been on the cover for metal hammer in decades do you know what i mean like there's no way anyone can justifiably try and say that when as andy very well correctly pointed out you know we used to cover three colors red there was a metal hammer albums list in the 90s that had oasis in it like there's all sorts of things you could pull up um but having said all that, I do think it is important to remember that it is a vocal minority that kind of create furor on Facebook pages and you should only treat them with so much respect because the more attention you give these people, the more they tend to just bang on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. I feel like we're ending on a note of exhaustion when actually we could end on a note of festive happiness or eeriness. Well, let's do that then. Um, now, look, it's easy to concentrate on the negative uh, people that do seem to populate a lot of the metal scene, but they are a minority. Anyone that's actually been to someone like Bloodstock knows that metalheads in general are the nicest, warmest, coolest people to hang out with. So don't let moany people on the internet convince you otherwise because they don't give a crap about the thing they're listening to or pretending to listen to anyway. So screw it. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with a brand new issue of Metal Hammer. We're going to be unveiling our big end of year issue. We've worked really hard on this one. It's going to be packed with stuff. It'll be. I'm great. really excited. I want to listen to our albums of the year in full. I want to just sit down in my house and just listen to them all. It's a, an activity that I enjoy when we do that issue. Yes, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, and then the week after that, it's going to be our big end of year podcast where we go through some of the albums of the year and just talk about what a mad old year 2020 was. And while the world may have been a bit crap, uh, Metal produced the goods big time. So we'll be celebrating that. So loads more to look forward to. In the meantime, have a lovely rest of your week and weekends, everybody. Stay safe out there. And uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Speak to you then.